Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. So wonderful to see everybody. Amen. Today is going to be somewhat of a record sermon. It's a half an hour. <laughs> okay. So we're really making history in this church. So, uh, but there's so much on my heart and time will not permit to unpack everything. But already the Lord has envisioned my own heart for emphases for next year that we will embark upon in the month of January. And uh, the Lord has clearly spoken to my heart about certain definitive things, and um, that we'll share later. But today, we are focusing, the world celebrates Christmas, as it were, the giving of Jesus to the earth as the Son of God. He was born in human form in a manger, unobtrusively. There was no fanfare. There was no announcements. There's no trumpet blast from heaven announcing his birth. Very few people were involved with the birth of Christ. In fact, the mainstream religious uh, fraternity were totally oblivious to what was happening. If you went to mainstream religion in the day of Christ when he was born, they were clueless as to the profundity of the hour. There was total uh, um, a lack of perception as to what heaven was releasing to the earth. For me, one of the, the great tragedies in life would be to live in an era and be totally spiritually insensitive to what heaven is releasing to the earth at that point in time in which you are alive. That would me, that for me would be the greatest uh, saddening tragedy ever in life is to be in a profound season in God where definitive exchanges between heaven and earth are being transacted and you are alive at that time in the earth and you're totally unaware of what is happening. A few people were involved and aware with the process of releasing Jesus to the earth. There was obviously Mary who was one of the first to be informed, obviously because she would carry the child, right? Joseph was included because he would marry Mary. There were magi, wise astrologers, astronomers, people who studied natural science, and there were rulers in their own right from the east that were included in an awareness of what was taking place. After his birth, or even at his birth, shepherds who watched their flocks by night, on some hillside, God sovereignly, via angelic visitation, chose to inform them of what was taking place. You know, I look at these things, I often I ask myself, God, why so unobtrusively did you reveal your son? Surely this is a grand uh, plan, one of the most critical expressions of your purposes in the earth was the giving of your son to redeem mankind. But you know, all great things from God come without fanfare, come without trumpet blasts. They're born in total uh, obscurity, right? 
even, even Moses' preparation for 40 years was on the backside of a desert. Paul spent 14 years in the Arabian desert before being even introduced to Peter, James, and John by the apostle Barnabas. God takes time to nurture things in hiddenness. Don't underestimate the time of your hiddenness. Right? Things that affect the world are born in mangers. They are born quietly. We sing the carol, Silent Night. Holy Night. It wasn't a noisy night. It was a silent night. Right? Many of us like noise and we like attention. I think God's grand scheme in releasing Christ to the earth in the fashion that he did totally bamboozled the devil. Right? It totally took him off, off, off God. Shepherds were involved. There was Magi from the east. There was Mary. There was Joseph. Um, the, at his birth, on the eighth day, there was Simeon, the high priest, or a priest rather, who was a functioning priest in the temple on that day in the order of his course. Everyone say the order of his course. In other words, the lot fell on him to be a functioning in the temple on that specific day. Right? And on that specific day, they brought him into be presented to the Lord, the scripture says. And he took the child in his arms and he said this, now I can die. I can depart in peace because my eyes have seen the glory of the, the, glory of the Lord. I want to encourage you, be faithful to your duty in Christ because you never know what could happen on a specific day. Simeon just was faithful to duty, but on that day, it was promised to him by revelation that he would not die until he sees the Lord's Christ. And the fulfillment to his word, seeing the Lord's Christ, happened on a day when it was a normal day for him. The ordinariness of his day was transformed into prophetic fulfillment of a promise. You never know what day, what the day holds for you. And I want to encourage you. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. David said, all my days were written in your book even before. One of them has come to pass. Every day holds the potential. Each day is significant in Christ. And each day holds the potential for God to outwork his promises for our lives in a very significant fashion. What I want to encourage you, you see, the, the, the day obviously was historic, the birthing of Jesus. The actual birthing, he's coming into flesh in the world. It was obviously um, a landmark day. Um, it's a, a definitive time, the Bible calls it due time, in Christ. Christ was born in the fullness of time. It's when times come to a head and a significant thing happens within the kairos of God. A thing that shapes history, a thing that, that, that shapes events and circumstances. Even after his death, uh, right now it, it becomes the point from which we date things. B.C., A.C., right? Um, it, it becomes a significant point from which you appraise everything in your world from that point onwards. Now I'm speaking prophetically to you. I'm saying to you, God is about to break forth into our lives with significant 
fulfillment of promises, prophecies. But it's not going to be of the ordinary ilk, not of the ordinary fashion. It's going to be a fulfillment of prophecy that forever changes the character of your life. You look at it as, as look back at it as a point of reference and say, that day, that moment, that year. Right? I have more to say about these things at the New Year Eve service. Please, you must come. Tell your neighbor you must come. I prepared New Year's Eve service yesterday, so it's foremost in my mind. I had thought I would share in a particular thing, but the Lord gave me a completely different prophetic emphasis. And you know what I really sense for many of us? We're in a season of prophetic fulfillment. Things are going to happen, and for many of us, we will look back and we're going to date certain future occurrences from what God did from this day. It's going to be so significant in God. Amen. How many of you would want to always be involved in whenever heaven releases something significant to the earth? Yes? I don't want to be living in a world where I'm not, I'm not aware, I'm out of alignment with heaven's emphases for the earth for a particular time frame. For me, it's very sad. Not one Pharisee, not one Sadducee, not one scribe in the New Testament is included in the revelation of Christ to the earth. God like bypassed the whole religious establishment. He like ignored every, every semblance of religion in his day. And he went to specific people of a specific quality, of a specific caliber. And to them, he included them in the revelation. He included them in the revelation. And I want to encourage you to, to, to continue to adopt a certain position such that you are included in every revelation that God brings to you. Amen? And I want to encourage you. It's a prophetic time of great profundity in which we are now living. I want to read quickly before time goes. I have 20 minutes. Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. It's a well-known portion. And um, I want to just leave with you a prophetic witness over your lives on, on this special day. We've been dealing with a series on the favor of God. The grace of God manifested as favor. And I, keep on, I kept on saying to you, if you are the recipient of grace, an outworking of that grace would be demonstrable overt indications that you are favored, that you are blessed. Okay? Uh, the, the, the first, one of the first things that the angel said to Mary, as he informed her that she's going to bear the Christ child. First thing he said to her is, do not fear. Do not fear, because you're going to administrate the, 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 the bringing into the earth of sonship. The Son of God is a representation of sonship. You see, the, the incarnation of Christ, incarnation is when things take on flesh, right? Call it the corporeal. Principle, corporal reality is this. Anything spirit to find its expression in the earth has got to take on human form. Right? It's got, it's got to become real in a corpse. Corpus, the Latin corpus is body. Right? So the body, if you can die unto yourself, become a corpse, things divine in terms of the spirit can become real in you. So we call, everyone say corporeal reality, right? So when he came into the earth, 
the spirit came in the form of um, human, divine, the divine took on human form, right? We call it the incarnation principle. And I want to encourage you, anything in God wants to be incarnated in human flesh. Things cannot be abstract, ethereal, and out of reach. They must take on human form. So if you espouse certain doctrine, that doctrine must be seen in the life. You must become the word made flesh. And you must live among men embodying all of those principles that we so readily espouse and speak about. Okay? The greatest thing in God, the greatest expression of any principle in God is to become it. It's not to say it. It's not to preach it. It's to become it. Right? So when he came, watch, he came as the son to reveal to men on the earth how every other son of God should live. We often say the son of God became a son of man to teach and to show sons of men how to live like sons of God. So he became as, as a model. When he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he's saying, I'm the way. I am the, the template. I am the pattern. If you look at my life, model your life after mine, then you can have the results that I have. Now, please remember this. And I share this with you on the church WhatsApp group this morning. Uh, I was thinking of how will I wish people today. There's no clear, there's no command in the Bible to celebrate Christmas. Not one. Not one. There's clear commands to remember his death. Not one command to celebrate his birth. I do it to take advantage of the opportunity we have. Yeah? So we, with wisdom, we, we take advantage of a day like this. But I'm not so much celebrating his birth as a child. Because you know, ladies, when you're pregnant, you go and they put the ultrasound scan, and you see the image of your child on that screen. You celebrate the life, but you celebrate what the child is to be. Is to be? Come. So he's no longer a baby in a manger. You know that, don't you? Right? He's grown up. He died on a cross to, to redeem men back to his father. Okay? But the important principle is this. When anything from heaven wants to come into the earth, the container in which it is held is called sun. Everyone say sun. Sonship is the only legitimate means of housing and communicating resource in the heavens. It's the only legitimate expression of things divine. Right? Please, you've you, you got to understand this. No man has ever seen the Father. Ever. That's what the Bible says. The Father's an enigma. It's like he remains in invisibility. Right? But to show forth himself, he sends the Son. And the Son says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So sonship becomes the interface, if you would, to manifest every hidden reality in divinity. Right? If you take away sonship, you take away the possibility of knowing the Father. Even when the Spirit is given, the Spirit witnesses with our spirits that we are sons of God. He has not given us a spirit of slavery unto 
fear. But it says he sends forth the spirit of adoption into our hearts, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So even the spirit's emphasis is the development of sonship. When sonship is fully formed, the task or the ambition of the son is to declare the father. If you take away sonship, take away the idea of sonship, the principle, the construct, you take away the very possibility of knowing anything divine, both Father and Spirit. So watch. Listen, I want to, I want to encourage you. As He is, so are we were in this world. Come on. Everyone say this with me. As He is, so are we in this world. It doesn't say in heaven. It's right here, right now, right? So everything that is true concerning Christ can be true concerning me. Right? If in my sonship, as his son, I become the interface of heaven and, and earth. You know what Jesus said to Nathaniel once? Jesus said this when they were introduced. Jesus said, Nathaniel, you are man, and behold, an Israelite in whom there is no guile. You're so pure, your spirit is uncontaminated. You are a non guile person. You're pure, and you believe me, that I'm the Son of God. And he said this to Samuel, from this point onwards, you will see angels do what? Angels ascend and descend on who? On the Son of God, on the Son of man. Any man that comes into sonship in his humanity has got the capacity to be the interface between heaven and earth. Angels ascend. God said to, to, Jesus said to Nathaniel, you will see angels ascend and descend like traffic between heaven and earth on me, the son of, the son of man. In other words, when heaven wants to bless you, what does heaven look for? Everyone say sonship. If I can foster sonship, if I can develop sonship strongly enough, I have in my life, I have with my wife in marriage, if let me speak to husbands. Husbands, if you can mature your sonship representation in your marriage and with your home, you have a point, an interface, if you would, a portal. Everyone say a portal. Right? A portal in and through which heaven can be downloaded into your context. Outside of the principle of sonship, there's no means, no avenue for heaven to come. So when the Son of God comes to the earth, when He manifests on the earth, He's born in which city? Talk to me. You know this. In which city is He born? Was it prophesied in, did it take place? In Bethlehem. Where's Bethlehem located? In which province? Of Judah. Right? Bethlehem means what? Come on, talk to you. Bethlehem means the house of bread. What is bread a symbolic image of? The word of God. Man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out from the mouth of, out from the mouth of God. So he, in John 6, he said of himself, I am the bread which has come down from heaven to you. He who is the bread had to be born in a city whose very identity and nature depicts bread. 
So he was the environment in which he was born was thoroughly compatible with the representation of the person he was. There was no contradiction between the environment that received his birth to the essence of the individual that he, that he was. And Judah, okay, I won't go into this because we can go at length into some of the images here. Just generally, Judah is a province. But, and then Judah became a tribe. But before that, Judah was a man. He was a son. So the man had babies. Not him, the wife, right? <laughs> a family. This grew to become a whole tribe. And soon, it became characteristic of a province, a land, a geographical area. So what is true for the man becomes true for his tribe, becomes true for the land. Yeah? I want to encourage you, do not underestimate the power of the sphere of impact that God has for you. Everything true in the individual can become true of the corporate. And when it hits the corporate reality, the land becomes affected. The environment becomes affected. You are trusting God for breakthrough in a specific sphere. Start with you. Say, God, I want to be the interface. I want to be the son. I'm going to live in a culture called bread. Everyone say bread. In other words, the word of God is going to marinate me, pickle me. I'm going to be a word-centered woman, a word-centered man, word-centered wife, word-centered husband, word-centered young man, word-centered young woman, word-centered youth, word-centered young child. I'm going to be bread personified. Yeah? And in that environment, what heaven desires to release as true concerning me will take place because I've fostered, a, I've enculturated an environment conducive enough to receive the seed, to mature the seed, to release the seed into that world, into my world. Okay? And so he was born in Bethlehem of Judah. Okay, Judah is a depiction of the apostolic principle. Won't go there now, but listen carefully. It's not just any word. It's bread that is, it's word that is, that is apostolic within the environment of Judah. The land of, 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 of Judah. Amen. So when he was baptized by John in the river Jordan, what happened? What opened? Come on, talk to me. What opened? The heavens opened. And what did the Father say concerning him? This is my who? My beloved son. Right? You see, in, in, in Luke 2, he's still called the child Jesus. The child Jesus. When Herod tried to kill him, how old was he? Herod the Great. You know, there are four Herods in the New Testament. Right? Herod the Great, who ruled at the time of Jesus' birth. Remember, I wanted to read. Won't read. All this is in the Bible, trust me, right? This time I'm worried about. Listen carefully. This is, I'm just paraphrasing Matthew 2 for you. Wise men from the east. Everyone say wise men. The word wise men or the New American Standard says magi. It does not say three of them. Where we got three from, I don't know. The Bible doesn't say three kings or three wise men. The Bible simply says magi. Some versions say wise men from the east. That hymn we sing, we three kings of Orient are. I don't know where they got three from, right? Unbiblical. 
Some songs are good melodically and everything else, but uh, content-wise, unbiblical. I think there was a whole entourage of him. You, why does Herod, who rules the, the circle province of Galilee, his rule of Galilee, on behalf of the Roman authorities, he's representing Rome, he's ruling, he becomes thoroughly insecure all of a sudden. The Bible says at the birth of Jesus, Herod became troubled. And not just him, the Bible says, and all Israel with him. There are some rejoicing and there's some trouble at the same reality. How can this be? <laughs> How can this be? I think there was a whole entourage of these rulers. Now the Bible calls them magi, wise men. The Greek word is magos. The Greek word megas means great. The, 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 the Greek word for magi is magos. The Greek word for great megas. Both words are derived from the same root. Strictly speaking, these were astrologers or astronomers, and they were also students of natural science. Read the, the background to these guys. But they were also great megas, magos. They were rulers. So how do rulers travel? With bodyguards and entourage. Now, let me use, can I use my sanctified imagination a bit, right? We don't know how many of them. I think there was... I think the whole of the Eastern empires, all the Eastern empires were represented. That's why when, when, when men of that ilk come into your province and you are, you are king, you must know something is up, right? So here it becomes insecure and he's becoming troubled, right? He becomes troubled. And the wise men come in and they're asking Everywhere. By this time, the star disappeared. You see, the star appeared at least two years before. By this time, Jesus is two years old. Two years prior, the star appeared to the wise men in the east. Right? And you read the prophecy uh, that, that Jacob said concerning this. And they travel, according to the cattle, fields and mountains, more, etc., following yonder star. Right? Through, through much danger, etc., they travel keeping their eye on the star. The Bible does say God will give us signs in the heavens in the end time. So what was written in the word becomes displayed in the heavens and they follow the star. Clearly the Bible says when the star came over Bethlehem, the star disappeared. Now they had to leave their, cast their gaze from off the heavens and engage in what the scripture calls diligent search. Everyone say diligent search. So they don't know exactly where he is. So they engage in diligent search. These were wise men. They were probably the most astute minds from the countries from which they came. And you know what the question they keep asking, I assume, from door to door? You know what the question is? Where is he? As if you people should know, if anybody should know, you guys. Where is he? Who is Born who? Born king of the Jews. And they say this. We have seen his star. They did not say we've seen a star. Everyone say his star. We have seen his star in the east. And we have come to worship him. Right? You know what Herod said to them? Yes, please 
Search diligently, continue. And when you have found him, call me that I too might come and worship. Not everybody must be involved in your search. Because some people will make you do the work and they want to kill the thing that you find. You must be very careful about who you adopt. Oops. Be very careful about who you adopt into your quest for God. Because some people use, will use you. Herod had no intention of worshipping Jesus. So you find him, I might worship too. Right? The Bible says, when they left him, the star appeared again. And led them to where the Christ child was. The word child in Greek means at least two years old in that context. That's why when an angel warned the, the wise men not to go back the same way they came, right? Here it was irate, he was angry, and he, in his wrath, he ordered the death of all children two years and under. Because he had done the maths, right? He ordered the death of those two years and under. Now, I want to encourage you that things are coming to a head, even in terms of global issues. There's global destabilization of governments, etc. The birth of Jesus wasn't just a cool night. Right? There was whole governments here that were rendered insecure. Right? Where is he who is born king? When you tell one king, that another king has just been born in your province. Obviously, he's insecure. But he's insecure because he's of his understanding of Jesus' ministry as political. But the kingdom was not of flesh and blood. The kingdom that he came to establish wasn't an earthly natural kingdom. But when earthly men don't understand spiritual realities, they become, insur- they become insecure. And I want to encourage you, the season that we are now entering into, must be one of thorough understanding. Please, I need to say this to all of you. You will adopt the wrong emotional mindset when you don't understand things spiritual. And you will embark upon things like killing babies and genocide, killing sonship in your province, simply because you act out of insecurity of how something spiritual should be manifest in your life. God is going to do great things for all of us. I'm convinced of that. But we must have thorough understanding of how it will play itself, how it will play itself out. The Son of God was given to the earth amidst great volatility. Now, two things before I conclude. Everyone say the star. You see, they said, where is he who is born king of the Jews? Even they, the wise men, had a wrong perception of his kingship. He didn't come as king of the Jews. His kingship was beyond the Jews. He came as king of kings and lord of lords. So sometimes, yes, for their time, that revelation was fitting because it allowed them to locate him. But always see beyond the present revelation that Christ is bringing to you. Otherwise, you will circumscribe all of your efforts only based in reference to that thing, right? But God is doing far more than meets the, far more than, than meets the eye. What is the representation of a star? Everyone say star. I won't go to all the scriptures now, but you know in the book of Revelation, 
John the Divine, the Bible says, he saw the Lord standing and holding in his hand, he was holding seven stars, right? And he was walking, excuse me, amongst the seven golden candlesticks or lampstands. The seven golden candlesticks or lampstands are the seven churches. And the Bible clearly says in the Revelation, the seven stars in his hands are who? Are the seven angels of the seven churches. The word angel there is angelos, means messenger. So a reference to angels is not to winged celestial creatures in that context. The angel of the church is the leader of the church. He's the spiritual father of the church. Okay? So we're trying to spiritualize the accounts in Matthew 2. So if the wise men say, for us to locate and to, be, and to experience intimacy with Christ in worshiping Him, to locate Him in intimacy and proximity to Him, what must we follow? The star. Right? So stars, one of the applications, are leaders of households. Right? Spiritual fathers. Now, tell your neighbor, you all need a spiritual father. In other words, God puts a star in your life to lead you to a place where you can find intimacy with the Christ. The star is not the be-all and the end-all because at times the star disappears to, to, to impress upon you the need for diligent search yourself. But God's stars, God's leaders will lead you to a place an environment in which you can explore things for yourself. Yeah? So you follow the star, but you don't worship the star. I like what they say. We've seen the star, but we have come to worship him. Can we worship him without the star? No. The star will lead us to that place of intimacy with, with Christ. Okay? So all leaders are designed to lead you to a place of intimacy with Christ where he can be formed in you to, to full maturity. Now, if you embrace this and you start to grow in it, and you start to mature in your sonship, when you mature sonship, all of heaven will respond to you. All of heaven responds to the birthing of the son and the maturation of the son. So the heavens open when he's baptized, and the Father says what? This is my beloved Son in whom I am. I am well pleased. What opened? The heavens opened over a son. Heaven always releases reality and resource to the, to the son. Okay? Although born in Bethlehem, where does he grow up for most of his life? In Nazareth. Right? He spends more than 20-some-odd years in Nazareth. He's born in a particular environment. He's raised in, a, in another. And we have a long teaching about Nazareth that I don't want to get into now because I'm really over my time already. Okay. But what I want to encourage you, ask your neighbor, do you have a star? Just make sure your star is not a disaster. I'm so glad for the light that God has given us. Amen. We don't worship men. We don't deify a man. But without star leadership, we'll never come to a place of intimacy where we can honor the Christ as we, as we should. 
leaderless individuals will never get to a place where you can um, have any kind of growth or intimacy with, with Christ. Okay? Any kind of growth or intimacy with Him. And I want to encourage you. All of heaven will regard and notice your sonship identity in Christ. If I can leave nothing else with you on this Christmas morning is this. Just harness sonship. Focus on your sonship identity in Christ. All of heaven will gravitate towards you. Sonship is like a force field of attraction. It's like things pour into it. Things are attracted to it. Things heavenly, things divine. Everything you need for life and godliness will be dispensed to you. As he is, so are, so are we in this world. And uh, part of the mandates God has given me for 2017 is the whole issue of rulership. The whole issue of rule, of kingship, of dominion. Amen. Next year is going to be a year of great dominion. Ruling spheres. Coming into great authority. I'm telling you, this is a word from God. I'll share with you the details from the scriptures at our watch night service on the 31st of December at 7 o'clock. Please, you must come if you're still around, particularly our visitors. Right? He rules. He came, he came as, a, as a ruler. And as he is, so are we in this world. So I pray that God's best for you and your family today. I pray that you would have a, a great day in Christ. I pray that heaven will open over your sonship. I pray that you would regard the star that God has placed in your world. Follow the leading. Follow the nuances. Follow the, the emphases of that star. Because that whole thing is in, designed to lead you to a place of greater intimacy with the Christ. You're going to come into, you know, it's, I often think of the Roman centurion soldier who nailed the, he stood there almost in a supervisory capacity, capacity over the crucifixion of the Lord. And the Bible says, what did he say when Jesus gave up the ghost? Surely, this was the Son of God. And I often think, well, he came to that revelation when Jesus died. Some people had that revelation when Jesus was born. This guy lost out on 33 years of a revelation. But at least he came into it at the point of Jesus' death. And I'm saying to God, my passion is, I don't want to be left behind in terms of what you're revealing to the earth. And I only come to the revelation at the point of the exit of that, revel of that revelation. Excuse me. Some of this water. <clears throat> Wants to be current. Say, God, don't exclude me in terms of what you're revealing to the earth. I don't want to come in at the last moment. I want to be included even sometime before it happens. At least some people will wear prophetic like Simeon. I will not die until I see this thing, until I hold it, envision it in my, in my hand. I want to be privy, party to the revelations of Christ in the earth. For that, all I want to encourage you is be the best son of God that you can be. Serve God properly. Serve God obediently, especially in this time. Don't compromise on principle. Maintain your sonship identity in Him. When God sees sonship, heaven is authorized to release stuff to the earth. You become the container and the conduit in and through which God is able to, to transact with the earth. 
people might not understand what is happening with you, but you'll become that interface that can steward the manifold wisdom of God to the earth. They opened, before they opened their gifts, gold, incense, and frankincense, and myrrh. What did the Bible say? They didn't give the gifts first. Who did they give first? They gave themselves first. Read the text carefully. It says, and they came before him. They bowed before him, presenting themselves. Then they opened up their gifts. You cannot give your gift before you give yourself. Your gift finds validation because you are accepted. Right? You don't give gifts to manipulate people. The gift becomes symptomatic and reflective of everything that you are. That is true giving. Amen? That is true giving. So have you given yourselves to Him? Before you open your treasures, there must be the giving of the heart to Him. Amen? Will you bow your heads in a word of prayer? Perhaps you've come here this morning and it's another service for you. It's Christmas Day. You want to be part of a Christmas service. Want to be in church at least today. I want to speak to those individuals. Do not let Christmas Day be the only church priority for you today. Let this be the start of an eternal priority. You say, God, it's not just today. This is for the rest of my life. I want to present my life to you. Present my life to you. Become your son so that when you look at me from the heavens as your son, you can offload, release all of your kind and good intentions in and through me to a lost and dying world. This is going to be my day. That's you in your heart. I pray that you would resolve to commit your heart to the Lord. Commit your life to Him in a very, very sincere and internal way within you. Huge amounts of babies died at the time of Jesus' birth. Every male, two years and under, lost their lives. And I pray that as you come into sonship, that you wouldn't experience the loss, but that God, you'd experience the addition of God. The blessing of the Lord that makes rich and brings no sorrow with it. Everyone lift your hands to the Lord. I want to decree a blessing over you. Come on, lift your hands to Him. I decree a blessing over you and over your sonship identity in Christ. I pray that your Father will look upon you and smile and say, You are my Son, in whom I am well pleased. I pray that for everyone true to sonship, I pray even now, heaven will regard you. Heaven will release reality and its resource in and through you. Because the Father finds you an ideal conduit in and through which He wants to manifest Himself to the earth. I pray the corporeal principle become a reality for you. I pray things in heaven become real through your corpse, through your body. You live it, manifest it, and reveal it to the earth in your sphere. And most importantly, I pray you would rule in life. You would rule in the midst of your enemies. You would dominate your sphere. You would bring to bear upon every domain, your wife, your home, your family, your business, your sphere of operation in life, the impression of the kingdom 
agenda upon your sphere. It will be impressed upon with heaven's principles, with God's dictates. I pray that you be blessed today, not only today, but for the rest of your life as you live in sonship reality. That heaven will open above you. The heavens will open over your life. And that heaven will not be as brass to you. But whatever you need, at whatever time, it will be dispensed to you. Come on, lift your hands. Let me quote this verse to you. I know for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. And Romans 8.32 says, If God did not spare His own Son, but freely give Him. It says, How much more will He also with Him also give us all things freely? How much more? You see, Jesus was just the initial installment. There's much more in and through Him that we need to access. And that is yours. That is yours. So I bless you on behalf of your Heavenly Father. I bless you with these kind intentions for your life. In Jesus' name, Amen. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen.